0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: Our conversation. Are you one of the many Australians who's heard those words? I'm sorry, but you have cancer. Or do you have someone who's close to you who broke the news to you saying, I have cancer? And isn't it the worst thing? And you'll know this if this has happened to you. It leaves you numb when you're told that a loved one has died. Well, our conversation today is about the death and grief with Lois Thompson, who is the author of a book called Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. Lois has lost a husband and a son, and she shares her experience in her book of jumping the hurdle of secondary breast cancer. Lois Thompson is a social worker across four decades who worked mostly in the health field and she's also a Christian pastor and a speaker. And I want to say a special welcome to you, Lois Thompson, to 2020.
2: Thank you, Neil. Lovely to be with you.
1: Uh, Lois, lots of us have already had uh, these experiences, losing a loved one. Uh, some of us haven't lost a child. Many of us have lost a parent. Yes. But this is something that is all of us. Uh, the picture that you will paint about your own story is something that we will all experience at some point if we haven't experienced it already.
2: Yes, that's right. That's right. I think um, Australia is um, rather a death-defying um Culture really um, and denying death. We don't really embrace it and look at it and consider it in our lives. Many people don't confront it until they actually um, have been told they have cancer or um, they do get that knock on the door from the police um, in the middle of the night.
1: And interestingly, do we try and hide uh, death? I uh, think because so. it's mm. a, it's, you know, let's sweep it under the carpet. Let's keep it on, you know, uh, hidden in a room. We'll close the door on it and uh, we don't expose our children to it. Uh, mm. In some cultures, mm. in some cultures, they, uh, you know, when someone dies, they bring the body home and yes, uh, yes. have it there for days. And, you know, yes. I, I've not been in that situation. But for yes. some for some countries and some families, that's sort of the norm, isn't it? Have you had, sort of looked into some of those things that other people do in different cultures?
2: Well, it was interesting that my husband had um, a um, a Chinese oncologist. And um, he was in hospital for six weeks waiting to, to go to, to heaven. And at times he was rather um, impatient in doing that. And we had some really interesting chats with his oncologist. And um, she said, you know... I'm surprised the fact that we don't actually um acknowledge that people are going to be dying um in 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 our lives that, that death is much a part of life as as birth um and she certainly thought that um from her culture um it was much more open and discussed and acceptable
1: and serious, uh, when people think about dying, as you say, when you're sitting bedside with someone who is dying, yeah, uh, yeah. what do you introduce into a conversation? Uh, I, I imagine that uh, we can get into this conversation. Who knows where it'll go because I'll invite listeners to join in and be a sure, part of it and help sure, direct it. But sure. the sorts of conversations you have at a bedside when someone is dying, uh, and you are sometimes reluctant to raise Sometimes those serious issues, uh, when you feel the time is right, you do. And the Bible's got a lot to say about yes, dying. Yes, As Christians,
2: absolutely. we've got a
1: lot to say about dying, haven't we?
2: Yes, that's right. Um, I just think it's such a blessing to be a Christian. Um, we're the, bl- the most blessed, luckiest people on earth to know Jesus. Because when you know Jesus, you you have that peace, um, comfort, and we have that um, hope and faith of an eternal life, and so when you're walking together as a couple, with my husband and myself, um, we had walked with the Lord um, from the time we met, basically, and uh, and so we had a, a, a strong walk with Jesus, and so that made His death um, very different from, um, I think, deaths that that people don't know the Lord. Um, I have worked in in um, hospitals um, as a social worker and sadly i have seen people who don't have that that understanding and love of in their life of the lord and um it's a very different scenario um in in the situation with my husband passing away there was such tangible peace in the room and um he got quite a reputation in the hospital as a man of god which was wonderful which is what he had actually prayed for he said i want to he said i want to glorify jesus in my death as well as in my life um and he really did that um so Yeah, so it's wonderful. I think everyone should know Jesus.
1: (laughs) Yes. In actual fact, when we get married, uh, you know, some of those vows, and not everybody uses these traditional vows these days, but uh, for richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health, and it gets mm. to a point where we say, "Till death, death do us part." Yes. So when death is a part of the con- conversation for a married couple, right from the very beginning, yes. it is something yes. you can openly talk about and say, "Well, one of these days, yeah. one of us might be lost," yes. and yes. and and it's important to actually have those conversations, isn't it, within a marriage?
2: Yes, that's right. And and I think um I know, I know it sounds rather strange, but um, when somebody does have a terminal illness that's chronic, um, you actually have more time to, to adjust to the departure, to the death. Um, and, and certainly we found that because we, the Lord had spoken to us that um, Pat's cancer was going to be um, to his death about 12 months before he passed away. Um, so we had lots of time at home and in, not so much in the hospital. In the hospital, it was sort of towards the end. But we talked about, um, you know, him leaving me and how I would cope. And and um, so we addressed all those issues. So so that's where, I, mean, I know it sounds strange, but cancer can be a positive way of dying, which is really a strange thing to say. Um, and my husband had a heart problem. And um, they actually found his cancer following putting a stent in his heart And I always thought that we always thought that he would probably pass away from a heart attack. Um, And then towards the end, when he was actually suffering from cancer, um, I think from our point of view as carers and and people who love the person with cancer, it's so hard to look on. And I said to him one day, darling, wouldn't you have rather gone by having a, um, a heart attack, you know, to avoid all this suffering? And I was surprised at his answer because he said, no, he said, I'm appreciating the time. I'm appreciating the time to say my goodbyes and, and spend time with the children. And he said, no, I'm, I'm good with this.
1: Lois, let's come to some of the stories that you've got in your family because mm-hmm. these are the basis for the book that you've written. And there was a whole lot of death uh, grief, suffering and dying that all of a sudden seem to come upon your family.
2: Yes, yes. Uh,
1: we're talking about your husband, Pat, uh, but there's your son too who was killed in a tragic accident.
2: Yes, yes, that's right. So um, 20 years, uh, my son John was our eldest son, so he was 19. Uh, he was killed in a car accident five minutes from home, coming home, crazy, and um, and yes, so so that was very hard. That was in two thousand and two that we we faced that, and it seemed that from two thousand and two right up until um, until last year when I was diagnosed uh, with secondary breast cancer, that we have had um, a short period of time um, that that is full of um, um, cancer and death and grief, and so it has been a, a rough um, fifteen years, I guess. But that has been totally balanced by us being so blessed by God. Um and so, because we have been so blessed, we could cope with that with those last crazy years. <laughs>
1: We might get into this, that whole idea that we think about as Christian believers. You know, death, where is your sting? Yep. Uh, the sting of dying, when you have this hope, There's the, that's where the balance is. Yes. Uh, this hope of an eternal life yes. uh, with God yes. uh, is balanced against that sting of death. Absolutely. Uh, we can talk about that, uh, and we will do. And uh, there might be some listeners who might like to even sort of enlarge a little bit on that idea in their own lives. But you also had or have a daughter who was diagnosed with cancer as well.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, she, um, Penny, my daughter, was diagnosed with um, with bowel cancer in um, two thousand and eight. Two years after I was diagnosed with my breast cancer, uh, she was actually pregnant at the time, and um, she was diagnosed when she was twenty four weeks pregnant with um, with her little one. Um, that was a huge shock. <laughs> Um, uh, because she was pregnant, the doctors just thought that she was having morning sickness. Um, but she oh, um, and we were in, we came home, and I hadn't seen her for a few weeks while she was pregnant. When I saw her, I was just horrified. She had, she was so pale. She'd lost so much weight. And she just looked dreadful, and, I, and because we've had morning sickness in our family, um, I just thought this is more than morning sickness. And but nevertheless, you know, when when the diagnosis came that it was cancer, it was such a shock. And she was so young, twenty eight. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> and was cancer something that you knew was in your family history? Uh,
2: not really, not really. Um, I seem to be the first one uh, that has um, breast can- had breast cancer. Um, there, uh, there has been um, a family line of bowel cancer on both our sides. Yeah, so but I guess bowel cancer does actually um, come from genetics. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's come back to this Aussie uh, way we think about dying because we don't want to always engage in a sad conversation. We don't like to necessarily... Uh, sit around and talk about our grief. Mm. Uh, you know, usually when we say "How are you," we want to hear something positive, don't we? But yes, uh, when someone says "How how are you, Lois?" today, uh, what's your temptation to, to to tell them the truth, or or do you <laughs> do the, th- the throwaway line that says "Oh, I'm fine, thanks"? How do you How do you respond sure. when someone says hello? Uh, it, how are it
2: depends you? on the person. Yeah. Um, but what i what I found in um after I had we had lost John. Uh, we were so we were we were so comforted, really, by the the people who came to us. You know, we had phone calls, we had meals, we had people coming, and and that really helped at the initial time after a sudden death. Um, but what I did find interesting was when people came to visit me, all I wanted to talk about was John. I wanted to talk about what he was doing, what he'd been doing, what he'd been saying, everything. My whole attention was on John, and I actually found those that had come to. To, um, to support, uh, they felt uncomfortable and, and they didn't want to listen. And so <laughs> I talk about John and, and like they would swing to a different conversation, anything but John. So it's, it's really hard for people who, um, are in your, your network, um, you know, colleagues from work and, and your family and your, and your friends. They don't know what to say. And I think the best thing to do is, is to listen really, because really the person who's grieving, um, well, in my case, I wanted to talk about John.
1: And a lot of us will know someone just like you who loses a loved one. Yeah. And uh, you seem to be the brightest one in the room. Everybody else is walking around wondering what yes, to say and uh, yes. they're having trouble with it. Yes. Sometimes we need help to face our grief. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the person who is uh, the next of kin, the Absolutely. next one in line, the next Absolutely. one... Absolutely. It's yeah. all of it. We all need this help to be Absolutely. able to face grief when someone, yep. whether it's a workmate or whether it's a family member, if they have that loss, we need to be able to uh, have that help in, in, in facing the grief. How do you suggest uh, you prepare for facing the sorts of bad news that comes when uh, there's a cancer diagnosis or a loved one's killed in an accident how do you how do you sort of prepare for that or, or is it or shouldn't you prepare should you just get ready for a shock <laughs> and then know where uh, to then know where to seek help
2: oh my um I think it is I don't know whether you can ever get past the shock actually to be honest um, yeah so um, I don't know whether you can Prepare in that sense. But I think if you can, if you do accept that we are all going to, to die and go to heaven, have eternal life, um, then it's easier. It's easier to actually cope with what happens. And and I really think that um, for, for, for people wanting to help others who are in grief and dealing with their own grief, the memories of that person is, is really important. Um, you know, we... Um, we, with, with John and and with um, Pat, um, I, you know I think the funeral. Um, I never realised how important a funeral was until um, John and, and Pat passed away. Uh, so now, um, you know I used to shrug my shoulders, oh I don't need to go to the funeral. But but I but really, you really appreciate people coming to the funeral. You really appreciate people giving you a phone call um sending your card and as much as it's difficult for you as a family person as a friend um to do that um it's i think it's part of your grieving as well to to be able to help the next of kin which i totally agree is not the only you know not the only focus should be on it's everybody who comes to the funeral is touched in a sense, and and your whole community of the person passing away and the person that and and your community's affect you know that you're involved in. Like all my children's um, um, social networks were affected as well, you know. So, um, but but just to accept that that it is tough, it is tough. You can't you can't deny that it's not that the emotions are still there. It's still raw and it's still rough. It's probably the most difficult thing that we go through in life, I think.
1: And you can't just say, I'll pass on that one, thanks, uh, because the grief is there when we lose someone who is a loved one. And when we talk about the funeral, of course, we're talking about a time when there can be some closure uh, and some encouragement. And I'm inspired by the substantial power of our Christian faith that enables us to face that grief and that loss in that time. And I wonder how those who are without faith Mm -hmm. actually do handle it uh, because it must go on way, way, way beyond a funeral uh, for people who have no faith.
2: Yes, that's right. And I've actually wondered how people without the Lord do cope. Um, I remember saying to my GP, I don't know how people cope without the Lord because... That was my, you know, that was my everything. The Lord was my everything and is my everything. Um, but people who don't have faith and 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 feel that, you know, that's the end of life, it must be just so so tough. Um, not having a hope for the future—that's the reality.
0: Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty twenty on Vision.
1: Lois Thompson is our guest, she's worked for 40 years as a social worker, she's also a Christian pastor and speaker, she has a significant story to tell and she's written about that in a book called Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. Uh, Lois, we're taking some calls today, let's hear from Emma in Victoria. Hello Emma, welcome along. Emma, are you with us? Yep, I'm here. Emma, what are your thoughts in our conversation today?
3: A thought what I think is I lost my mum she had i lost my mum and she had cancer and i I lost my dad and um and she couldn 't handle it so she 's actually done herself in
1: right that 's really really uh, a tough one to deal with because sometimes. As a yep. husband and wife, we are so in, entwined yep. with our, our our mate, our partner, that sometimes it's difficult to deal with. What are your thoughts for Emma, Lois?
2: Yes, um, de- definitely. Uh, I have experienced that in life. That after the deaths of both my son and my husband, I wondered how I could keep on going, and. Um, it, what happens in grief is that you tend to focus on the person and the loss of the relationship with the person. And and because of that, you, you sort of lose focus and you lose the sight of all those around you who love you and, 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 and living in life. Uh, and I actually address that in, in my book. Um, and, and really, it was only the Lord that, that um, picked me up. And And the ironical thing is that actually getting cancer um made me confront whether i really seriously did want to die or whether i should um continue living and i it opened my eyes to my other children people who knew me um life that i could continue to live but i praise god that that he did actually um pull me up actually out of that deep depression in that dark place but certainly when you lose your loved one you, especially if it's um husband and wife, uh, you become one, and uh, and you just think you know you're losing you're losing half of you when your partner passes away, and I think most couples who lose a partner, um and they've had a good marriage and they really you know they're married to their soulmate, uh you really you really do you go into that state where um how am I going to live? Emma from
1: Victoria, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Before we take another call, uh, just something that goes a little deeper here than than what we've gone uh, so far. Uh, this idea of who we are with our identity. And uh, when we talk about the two becoming one flesh, yes. Uh, sometimes we get our identity from our spouse. And yep. our whole world yep. is is tied up in yes. our spouse. Yes. How do we go, Lois, as Christian believers? because we're actually called to have our identity in Christ. Yes. and And yes. so I suppose that an understanding, a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ. And so when the time comes like that when we're faced with this crisis, uh, the grief and death of a loved one, uh, that we are able to separate, this identity that we have with our loved one and make sure that we're locked in with our identity with Christ.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, certainly, um, that's another chapter in my book, I think, probably. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people who write biographies, autobiographies, uh, and have had tragedy in their lives and some you know negative experiences in life, they write the book to actually process it. Uh, and, and certainly, I have written a, a chapter on... Um, um, jumping the hurdle of being a widow, and um, and, and I know actually sort of share how hard I found that um, for the first um, year or two, and um, but you know I I hung on to Jesus, I hung on to church, and the people in church. I, I had people praying for me. Um, you know, be, belonging to a church is a wonderful thing um, because. The church actually is God's way of reaching out in the flesh. I think um, the Lord speaks to us through the Word, through His Bible, um, through the Bible, and um, and in our quiet time, it's it's wonderful to to get um, passages from the Lord. And and certainly that was my experience with um, with both Pat and and John. Uh, he gave me scriptures that um, were just amazingly from Him. So I knew that they were from Him, and um, but but. You know, at times when you don't feel that you can pray yourself, when you belong to a group of people who, who also love Jesus, then, then it gets better. It gets better.
1: (laughs) And for those who might be listening to our conversation saying, what can the church offer me in my being a widow? But all churches, those that are looking at God's word, being shaped by God's word, well, churches will know that they're called to care for orphans and widows. And so there is a special recognition of people who have uh, served God together with their partner and when they lose that partner, there is the need for some special attention, some special care, a special place, because I'm sure that for widows who have been totally tied up in their identity with their partner, with their spouse, uh, you can feel as though I used to be someone, now I'm no one. Yes. Uh, But you have that special place in church life.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I actually share that in my book, um, that – that I, I did lose my identity because my husband was a pastor and, um, and we, you know, we just loved Jesus and, and ministered together for years and years. And so, um, all of a sudden, um, I didn't know who I was. I wasn't the pastor's wife anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't have his strength. Um, I mean, I was just so blessed and, and and I think that's how I've actually coped with with death and the grief because I just it's so balanced with the love of God and the love of my partner and uh, and I just consider that that I have just been so blessed by God to to have that love, um, yeah. So so certainly I did lose my identity and I share that in the book. I say you know and even going to church, um, you know Mother's Day. Um, the year after John died, I was just a mess. I was in church but, um, and I've got four other children. You know, again, so, so blessed from the Lord. Um, but my heart was breaking because John was not with me. Um, so, yeah, so um, so we do have a tough time. It's not easy. But what I say is um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Tie onto that. Um, tie a knot in that rope and hang on tight hang on tight to Jesus, say your prayers <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> go to church and um, and read the Bible you know
1: <laughs> We're taking calls 1-800-316-316 let's hear from Darren in Emerald in Queensland, hello Darren, welcome along Hey, here you go, mate? Very well Darren, what are your thoughts on our conversation today?
4: Oh, I think she's a brave woman
1: she is I'm sitting here with her and uh, and I'm admiring her courage and uh, bravery.
4: bravery said, all you got do is stay with Jesus that's all it is he's a yeah. standard of it all and and um more people don't realize you know where you go after death and and the main thing is just giving your heart to the lord and and living a Christian life it's just a great life to live in and um I've seen some great stuff I've been a christian three years and I've seen people healed, I've seen people who haven't been healed. I've got friends who go through medical um, stuff for um, cancer and stuff, and it's brought them through. but you know, the heart's for God, and that's amazing. main thing, that's God. Darren? The they, they pass away. they be in heaven.
1: Yeah? Some good thoughts there, and sometimes it's a bit of a throwaway line, isn't it, Lois? Ah, uh, oh, just trust in Jesus, you'll be right. But actually the truth of that is quite profound. Your thoughts for Darren?
2: Yes, absolutely, Darren. Um, I guess you, you, three years um, being a Christian, you, you just um, would just know the difference between being with the Lord, loving Jesus, and Him loving you, and and living life without Him. Um, God and the Lord Jesus, they, He didn't want us to to live life alone, and and so yes, I agree with you that um, that having Jesus in our life, we can we can go through. Um, the difficult times as well as the great times. And uh, it's such a blessing for us to to know the Lord as our saviour. Darren from
1: Emerald, thank you so much for your insight, your input today on 2020. Our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. Just a couple of minutes out from the news, Lois. Uh, when you talked about being a widow, uh, the grief that you still continue to have beyond the you know beyond the funeral, beyond the yep, wake. Yep. Sometimes there's a delay in that grief. Yes. Uh, you're strong for everybody else, but at at a particular point, you do somehow rather hit a wall. Was that the case for you?
2: Yes, it was. Um, with with my husband, uh, twelve months no no about fifteen months later. I um I ended up in hospital with um, a heart problem, and there was a physical manifestation of my unresolved grief, and it it was at that time where I believe the Lord actually gave me the scripture: "Choose this day, life or death." Uh, and when I but. And my mom and my daughter love me so much, and love the Lord so much, also, that they could understand my desire um, to go to be with the Lord and to be with my husband. But when I saw my sons walk into that hospital room, uh, I just thought, no. I can't. <laughs> yep. I can't leave them yet. They've had too much grief because they lost their brother and their father. So they were having a lot of grief. They were
1: having grief yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, So I
2: thought, no, I have to leave. We
1: are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Lars, uh, let's take some calls. Listeners waiting patiently. Let's first of all hear from Neil in Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Neil. Welcome along. Hey, Neil. How are you going? Very well. Thank you, Neil. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Oh, I actually
3: just caught the the last bit of the conversation, but I really felt that the Lord, you know, through my heart is to say to the listeners out there, you know, it's amazing to hear that story and and just to hear the faith that that came through with, you know, losing a loved one like that and keeping your faith. And I think that in my experience, you know, I haven't gone through something as tragic as that, but even in in the faith that the Lord has given me, I I battle just with, you know, with the smaller things in life, but I find that... You know, in, in Psalms that it tells us how, how Daniel praised the Lord in everything, I find that if you wake up to your day, you praise him for the little things in life and everything that he gives you, um, and we keep that line of thought right throughout the time, it does help you in your times of faith, and um, a lot of the time I think I've, I've seen that people sort of, um you know, you put so much faith in a pastor or the head of the church or somebody there, but... God calls us to put our faith
1: in him and our focus on him. And Neil, I think great t- thoughts in there. Let's get a, a thought or two, a response from Lois. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've, I found that the Lord's presence with me through these situations has been really strong. And uh, I find that the word, reading the word um, in quiet time with him, he uh, has given me some amazing scriptures that have just helped me to face the next day really. And, um, you know, to keep on living, uh, so absolutely right that, um, our, our faith is, is firstly and foremostly, um, based in, in God, uh, and His wonderful Word. His, His Word is so powerful. I found that so much in my life. Uh, so yes, absolutely. Um, the church is wonderful and, um, people in the church are wonderful, but, but Jesus is the answer.
1: Uh, Lois let me ask you while well, we've got Neil on the phone and Neil mentioned something I thought was quite interesting and quite profound because Neil's saying he's not going through these big things but he's got his faith in God for the little things at the moment uh, is putting faith in God over little things a preparation for when the big one comes?
2: Oh I think so Neil I think so. Uh, what happens is is that our, our faith starts as a seed of mustard. I love that, that parable where it says, you know, our faith is a mustard seed. And what happens is we, we don't really know how wonderful and marvelous and, and good God is until we take that first tiny step. And then as we put our hope in him and he answers and he helps us, then our faith grows. And so um that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, because God is just so evident in in my circumstances, that it's mind-boggling, really. It's such proof that, that Jesus is alive, that God the Father, Holy Spirit um, is with us and alive because he moves in our situation. So, yes, he He cares about the little things and the big things. Neil from Mackay,
1: thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. John is in Somerset in Tasmania. Hello, John. Welcome along.
4: Hello, uh, Neil and Lois. Uh, I'll throw out three things for you to uh, comment on. Um, First thing, uh, I have found that uh, getting close to people who are bereaved or near the end of life has actually helped me grow uh, as a person and spiritually. You go along to visit someone who you know is very ill, And you wonder, what am I going to say to them? And you sometimes come back uh, finding that they have said some really uh, edifying things to you. Mm. Uh, You get a surprise. Uh, John, let's the take one there. at
1: a time. Take one at a yes. time because I'll give Lois an opportunity just to, uh, to share her thoughts yes, on that yes. idea.
2: Yes, thank you, John. Um, that's so true. Uh, we had lots of people coming, um, to say goodbye to my husband. Um, you know, cause, uh, yes, come into the home. Uh, we had people come from interstate, from all over. Uh, and, and, you know, people who love you don't want you to die. Um, but Pat was so, he was at such peace. You know when they came, and and I think certainly that was the case with with a lot of people who came to visit him. Absolutely,
1: John. What were your what was your second point?
4: Uh, another thing, uh, um, and it's it's uh, a chap who was until recently when he died of very aggressive stomach cancer, an understudy of Rabbi Zacharias was Nabil Qureshi, and now one of the most incredible sermons i have ever seen on youtube was given about a year and a half ago i think it was when he was too sick with uh, stage four stomach cancer to stand up and preach he had to preach sitting down It didn't stop him preaching for over an hour and uh, what's Came uh, out of that experience was deeper than anything you might have expected. There's just no room for pious platitudes when you're preaching to people who who are very, very ill.
1: (laughs) John, (laughs) great point again and uh, reflection from Lois on this idea of when you've got a loved one and your husband, Pat, he was a preacher. Yeah. uh, And this idea that it doesn't really slow you down because the body might be shutting down, but if you've still got an active mind and your voice still works, uh, there'll be those who will want to hear from you.
2: Yes. Uh, Pat's last sermon was at Easter on Easter Sunday Uh, He was uh, in hospital and the night before we all thought that he was going to pass away. We all thought that he might pass away. Like we were looking at at days and weeks. We thought that he would be, he would be, you know, going to heaven. Um, But, and so the night before Easter Sunday, he was just so unwell. We thought maybe that was the night we'd get the phone call. We, we came in after church on the Sunday, Easter Sunday. uh, And um, our pastor was there as well. And, um people the night before had left communion, and he didn't want to take it. He said, no, I don't want to take communion until I have it with my Father in heaven. Um, but on that Sunday, he preached um, about the communion, and uh, it was just wonderful, amazing. <laughs> and then the last things he said, um, the last words he said, um, my friends, he said, God bless
1: Okay, well, John, rarely do we get three points uh, to talk about, uh, but let me hear your third one. What else did you want to share? The
4: third one I've already half touched on, but I have uh, the experience, somewhat unique, of uh, having to minister to uh, congregations that are older than myself, and many of them facing serious illnesses. uh, And you really... You really have to do your homework when you stand up to preach in such an environment, put it
1: that way. It does colour the way that you would deliver a particular message to that age group. A response from Lois on the idea that, in fact, as John is sharing, a lot of congregations are uh, elderly. Uh, you know, sometimes people are standing up in church and there's a sea of grey heads uh, who are staring back <laughs> yes, and, yes. and and the way that you actually do frame uh, your content in the way you might bring a message in that group is going to be coloured by the way, the way that people are at a particular point in their lives.
2: I think that's a very good question. <laughs> uh, again, I think it's the difference between being a Christian and a non-Christian. So I think we can take comfort that, the people who you're preaching to, if it's in the church situation, um, they're conscious of of their life um, running low, and um, I think if you talk to them individually, they're all conscious of dying. And the wonderful thing is, is that they're in church, and they're you know we've got the cross there, and uh, and Jesus died so that we might have eternal life. Thank you so much
1: to John from Somerset in Tasmania. And the interesting thing about dying here uh, might be uh, just as a contribution to this, and I know when I've spoken to some uh, quite elderly and frail people who were not far off uh, losing their life and losing their battle with an illness, uh, is that I've been able to encourage them and say, you're no closer to dying than I am. We've all got to negotiate the traffic on the way home uh, because uh, there is a sense, isn't there, in which uh, which we really aren't uh, at a point where some are closer to dying than the rest of us because we're all at risk at any point in time.
2: Yes, yes, that's right, absolutely.
1: We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let me ask you about some analogies that you like to use, Lois. Uh, When we're going through our lives, uh, you've picked up on things like running the race together and the ideal that there will be hurdles along the path in the race in our lives how do you like to unpack that idea when you're talking to people about how they face uh, the challenges, the tragedies, the grief, and the loss that somewhere will be there on their journey?
2: Yes, I think um, being a social worker for many years, uh, I've heard lots of um, lots of stories of incredible um, loss and grief and um, and abuse and just just um, the worlds are very very tough. Um, hurtful place for so many people, so I think most of us, we all have our individual race to run, and that's what the word tells us. And of course, we're amazingly individual. Uh, but I believe that each one of us will have hurdles in our race, and um, the the hurdles are are different pieces of different problems that that people um, have to overcome. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, so the hurdles I see as, as the, the tough, really tough times in, in life. And, uh, but we overcome and, and, um, I see Jesus as the coach. Uh, he, um, he helps us jump the, the hurdles. Uh, and, um, yeah, so in Hebrews it tells us that, you know, our life is a, is a race. And so we've got a beginning and an end.
1: Jesus is the coach who helps you jump the hurdles. Yeah. Uh, it's a great takeaway bit of wisdom uh, from the Lois Thompson conversation today. Uh, there's another analogy you like uh, with uh, with regards to the idea of a sporting team, because when you're on a team, you're yeah. actually not alone. Absolutely. Uh, there's others helping you go through the challenges.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, and... You know, I've been absolutely amazed. There's lots of positives about going through really difficult situations and and illness. Uh, Your eyes are opened. I've had a marvellous team of of medical people, and so did my husband, uh, in in actually helping us to jump the hurdles of of cancer and and death. Uh, Doctors, nurses... Um, palliative care people incredible really like people who you feel that that are are really cheering you on and uh and helping you doing you know bringing you <laughs> bringing you water you know you're running and and you know you've got the the person running across with the bottle of water and um that hug and and that word of encouragement and and so people in our lives are, are a great team, yeah.
1: So when we're not going through the challenge ourselves, uh, we're actually all called to be the cheer squad for someone who is. Yeah,
2: (laughs) absolutely. And and I think, you know, if you haven't been through um, really tough situations, uh, you don't realise the importance of of those people around you and I just think they're the unsung heroes (laughs) Lois Thompson is our guest and her
1: book is called Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief A biblical
0: perspective on life, culture and current events This is 2020
1: on Vision Christian Radio As Lois Thompson says, there is so much to write about and talk about on this topic. That's why she's written a book called Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. Let's talk about you for a few minutes here, Lois, because having talked about your family members, the loss of your husband, your son's tragic death, your daughter's diagnosis with cancer, we haven't talked a lot about your own diagnosis with breast cancer. You've been on a bit of a roller coaster with that diagnosis, haven't you? Just fill us in just quickly on that story because so many people will relate to your story.
2: Okay. I was first diagnosed with um, breast cancer in 2006 and at that point I had um, full um, treatment, mastectomy, chemotherapy and um, radiotherapy um, I like to tell the story about getting the insurance policy two years before. I had an offer of an insurance policy that said, if you ever get diagnosed with cancer, um, we'll pay out $30,000. And, uh, and the premiums looked really good and it was very affordable for us at the time. But my reaction was, oh, I, I'm not going to um, get cancer. And, um, you know what? When I got my diagnosis two years later, I was thinking, Oh golly, I wish I had have taken that, that <laughs> insurance policy. And I thought yep. that more often than not, you know. And I thought, damn, thirty thousand would have been really nice. Now, <laughs> that's right.
1: And yeah. uh, you know, it is so, a worthy consideration, isn't yeah, yeah, it? Because yeah. so, we have this wonderful yeah. benefit of having insurance <laughs> yeah, available. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, um, so I guess now they wouldn't. Insu- I, you only get the offer once. You know, if you have breast cancer um, or cancer, they don't want to insure you again. No. <laughs> but anyway, praise God. Um, uh, and then ten years later, uh, last year actually, um, I had a rare. Occurrence um, with a, a tumor on my um, on my chest wall, which was a really big shock because I I really um, felt that the cancer hurdle was behind me um, and that I was sort of I didn't expect the cancer hurdle to reoccur um, in my race. So I, I really had um, a challenge getting my head around it. And in my book, I actually I actually talk about um, how how um, the Lord and I argued for six weeks. <laughs> And before I went to the doctor and before I told anyone because I really found it hard to to get my head around but anyway um but God has been faithful he's been with me um his his love and his presence and and the prayers of um of my church family and my family's been amazing and yeah um and yes, having uh, your
1: faith as something like a stabilizing thread that has gone right through the middle, yeah, uh, the ups and the downs, yeah. uh, the diagnosis, uh, all of that treatment you went through first time around, then you thought, "I've beaten this," yeah. and then there's a recurrence.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, it truly is a roller coaster ride. Yes. But uh, you've held strongly to your faith all the way through there, and you've found that to be a strength.
2: Yes, absolutely. Plus. Uh, I found that um all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose and um God's a god of goodness and he doesn't give us any bad things but but um he takes those things that that uh, aren't good um in life and he'll turn them for the better and um that's been that was the case in my first situation of cancer and praise God last year because I got it um I retired early and that's a real bonus I'm really happy that, um, yes, that, that he again turned it for good. It's amazing. Amazing.
1: And your book, well, it's about to be launched this weekend and people will be able to get it, as we mentioned, from Amazon or from Koorong Books, uh, for Angus and Robertson Books. Uh, but there's a big launch on this weekend, the Stamford Plaza in Brisbane. Uh, what are you anticipating for the launch?
2: Um, well, we're having high tea. So, that sounds wonderful. Yes, so 70 of us uh, have have booked in so far. Well, we are virtually virtually closed, but we're having high tea at the Stanford Plaza. We're doing it in style uh to launch the book and but also um all the um all the profits of the book uh and um uh Extra entry into the high tea is going to Breast Cancer Network Australia because they're a great organisation. They've helped um, hundreds of thousands of of, um, of women. Just the support um, has been fantastic. So it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, so, it, so the launch of my book fits in with um, Breast Cancer Network Australia. Yeah. And part of the book title is Hope
1: in Cancer, Death and Grief. Uh, it's a big celebration this weekend for your book launch. Let's end on this high note yeah. uh, where we talk about this hope that you have and the opportunity to celebrate your book launch. Yes. Celebration's an important part, isn't it? Uh, oh. Celebrating all of those milestones, whether it's birthdays, anniversaries, uh, celebrations take on a whole new feeling when you've gone through what you've gone through.
2: Yes. And, uh and when i'm i'm looking at the people who've actually replied and who are coming and uh, and i hope i'm strong enough on sunday not to break down in tears when i thank them because so many of them have just been so amazing in my in my journey they've just supported me encouraged me um given me so much and and i really feel It's a thank you to them as much as anything. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, Lois, let me encourage listeners to get a hold of your book. It's called Hope in Cancer, Death and Grief. I mentioned it's available on Amazon, at Coorong, at Angus and Robertson Books. And there's a Facebook page. And uh, simply go on Facebook and you'll be able to uh, do a search for Lois Thompson, author, And you'll be able to get a hold of her book. The launch is on Sunday at the Stanford Plaza in Brisbane. Lois, thank you so much for uh, being with us today on 2020, of sharing your heart, of uh, uh, overflowing with your wonderful wisdom on this really, really intense topic Uh, Of dealing with grief and you're still going through some of those things. And, uh, but just to hear your wisdom and to hear your faith and to hear the hope that's coming from your heart uh, is a real blessing to us. And thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me, Neil.
1: Before you go, thanks for listening.
2: There's lots more great
0: audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported.